Welcome back to the Dr. Supercoach podcast. You're on once again with Cheezo. We've got those buyers in the rearview mirror, guys, and we've got Pistol on with the podcast tonight. Just talk through how we've come out the other side, mate. How are you doing, champion? I'm doing quite well, Cheezo. It was, uh, I guess, a timid end towards the end of the buyers for me. I, I didn't go massive, but I just peppered a decent score every week of the buyers. Um, a 1987 for me this week was solid enough just for a hundred rank rise uh, to 1500 so started the buyers at 4.2k after <laughs> I pretty much two weeks before the buyers I was at 1.5k then I had two terrible weeks in a row fell to 4.2k and now I'm back to 1.5k so I basically spent five weeks of my life and ended up in the same place Chizo. yeah and we were very very similar I think the lowest rank I had up until the buys was fifteen hundred or sixteen hundred, and then that one week before the buys, um, I just had a shocker. I think I got my captaincy wrong and ended up at three and a half k, and I've slowly worked my way back up to two thousand in in um, the the space of the buys. So I'm not disappointed, pistol. But um, have you ever played? Cricket, mate. I, I know that's a rhetorical question because I know you haven't. Um, when <laughs> when you're looking to declare, you just want to get to that next milestone just to play that little bit of psychological warfare with your opponent. When we got to the end of the third buy round, I was sitting on 1994 and I'm thinking, it just doesn't feel right until I get to that 2000 mark. And I didn't think I was going to hit it. But after the uh, the scaling happened in the last game on the Sunday, hit that 2004. And uh, it just it's amazing what 10, done, uh, 10 points does to your outlook on life, mate. I was just, uh, I was skipping through the daisies after that point. <laughs> uh, I, I'm glad you are happy, Cheese. I did zone out <laughs> when you mentioned cricket, though. So I missed part of the story. <laughs> No, that's all right, mate. You can block that out just like a Twitter beef. Let's just leave it at that. Um, what's your projection looking like for the uh, the the post buys? Obviously, now we've got our premiums back onto the field, uh, and we're wondering what kind of scores that we could, uh, you know, kind of project into the future weeks. What can we start to, uh, you know, lick our lips at? Well, the Super Coach projections has most people around the twenty five hundred mark, and you'd be pretty. Pretty happy if you hit 2,500 the week coming out of the buy. It's such an amazing feeling, like going through the buys, struggling for players, and then you finish the buys, and then you've got all these premiums on your bench, and then you just like one by one put them onto your field, and you're like, this feels awesome. And then you look at your team, and you, it's basically fully done, and you're like, wow, look what I've done. <laughs> it, it doesn't hit you until the end of the buys because you're just doing it progressively, like throughout the buys and you never get to see the whole thing and now you've got your final you know full force side on the park you see the projections you know 2500 and you're like this is good um but that feeling will only last until thursday um with the early rounds and you know first game comes out gws i'm sure we see uh some terrible scores or something unexpected happened and Kelly then that does projection that's it that's it <laughs> zach williams injured who knows and then you just projections go down at twenty two hundred, like before the buys, and you're like, "Why do I play this game?" <laughs> well, it was like we were looking at our our history. My highest score for the year is round two. I somehow scored twenty four hundred with my starting squad, and haven't hit that again. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, my highest score is in round two as well. So it's just depressing. Like I, I probably have the same team. Like, am I am I making my team worse by trading? Should I have thirty <laughs> trades right now? I don't know. I don't know what to think of it. <laughs> Uh, but no, you're right. Come home strong, Cheezo. Yeah, the buyers are very much like building a doghouse, Pistol. And so you don't really see the 
the how all the little things you're doing until you f- see the final product in front of you and seeing this fully upgraded side or virtually fully upgraded is uh, uh, very very exciting let's put it that way um, so that pretty much uh, covers that my, my projection this week is is close to that 2500 mark so um, getting very very excited pistol obviously we've got some big news starting this week in the doctor supercoach cup we've uh, released a little video of talking about what we're going to be doing we'll uh, do a bit more in-depth talk uh, now exactly what that is for anyone that's interested pistol it is that uh, single elimination knockout competition that we're going to be doing having that little live bracket so you can see everyone uh, we've released the link on slack for those that are in there and have a look around the one thing that they're all uh jumping all over pistol at the moment is who they're going to be versing guys we haven't finished the matchup yet i'm still adding people's names to the to the knockout can we just hold off you know just for 24 hours until you know we stop taking entrance into the into the cup and then we can start talking about who you're going to be versing on any given week because that's the exciting part pistol that is the exciting part. Did you get so excited that you released it before it was final? <laughs> That's the, I got so much pressure, like, you know, where's the thing? I want to see the cup. Who am I going to be versing? I was like, uh, okay, guys, it's not finished, but you can totally see it. And the first thing that came back was, oh, I don't want to be versing this guy in round one. It's like, no, don't worry. It's it's just a draft. You're not playing. I don't want to verse this guy. And just a repeating cycle. So I think I've reiterated that about four times now. Excellent. Well, um, it does lock out. The final chance to join would be on Wednesday. I don't know, Cheezo, if you've set a specific time limit on Wednesday or just Wednesday in general. Just um, Wednesday in general. Excellent. Wednesday in general. Uh, you, you got up to, until midnight. You have up until midnight. I'm just repeating what I'm hearing, breaking news. Uh, mm-hmm. Up until Wednesday to sign in. It is a knockout tournament. There will be, I guess, a round of 256, given we're heading that way, but yep. half the people in the first round will have a bye. Um, pretty much the higher rank you are, the safer chance, the more high, higher chance you have of being safe in that first round by not having to play in the qualifying. And then you've got the main draw of 128. Just win. If you win, you stay in. If you lose, you're out. Simple as that. And prizes, Chizo, for the top three finishers. That's right, and uh, also some prizes for knocking out a podcaster. Uh, but what we should do is just go through the the big prizes that everyone seems to be uh, interested in. All right. Do you want to uh, maybe take us through? Do you want to go from from first to third yeah, let, or third? No, let's to go first. from th- third to first, and we'll build it up. Um, we really wanted uh, first and second to be um, worthwhile, even if you lose. So uh, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, Third place, or actually we'll start with knocking out a podcaster, Pistol. Uh, If you knock out a podcaster, uh, it is a big deal um, because, you know, JB's got such a good team right now, you really don't want to be versing JB. A hard luck if you end up in his side of the draw. Uh, You will be getting a Dr. Supercoach uh, beer cooler. Um, We'll be sending it away for knocking one of us out, and I'm assuming that there's going to be three people knocking us out, Pistol. I don't think any of us are going all the way, so that's going to be good. Uh, Third (laughs) position uh, is going to be a AFL cap of your choice. So your team, um, you get a cap or a scarf or something like that. We do have a little bit of a budget that we can work with uh, as well as a a beer cooler. And Pistol, the first and second prize will both be taking home an Indigenous AFL jersey again of the team of your choice. And obviously the winner, it's being called the Dr. Supercoach Cup. You will physically get the Dr. Supercoach Cup with your team name engraved on the front of it. So that's uh, pretty exciting as well, mate. 
Yeah, when we say cup, we mean trophy. I know uh, yeah. some people are sitting there like... That's right, yeah. A lot cup? of people think that I'm thinking mug. It's, uh, you know, the premiership cup of the AFL. You're not, I guess you could drink coffee out of it, but it is genuinely <laughs> a trophy that you can put up on your mantelpiece if uh, you're a, your opposite half lets you. <laughs> if your opposite half lets you, that's that's a good way of summarizing this. Putting it in the study might be the best option, um, but definitely not in the attic. So uh, you'll be <laughs> you'll be very very pleased to have this uh, on your mantelpiece. Is it worth playing for, Chizo? I think it is. I mean, I'm playing for it, which is uh, uh, you know, if if one of the podcasters win it, you can be sure that we're taking it home. And there's there's no second chances here. There's no second place taking home first place. I'm taking home that cup pistol. You can be sure of that. I would be absolutely shocked if you or I make it past the first round. <laughs> I, lo- I love that you added yourself in there just to not come off as such a douche. <laughs> you, you had no, no intention team... of doing that until you realized how it sounded. <laughs> no, no. My team is probably good enough to make the second round. Not further than that, unfortunately. <laughs> because you get the bye, right? That, that's, that's why yeah. you get your... <laughs> not, not including the qualifying round. Um, I'm assuming I'm qualifying, Chizo. You can rig the draw and make sure uh, I'm in the, the qualifying oh, round. That, Thank you very much. That's another thing. There is no rigging of the draw. There's no seeds. There's no. The only thing we're doing is making sure that the podcasters are in uh, three sections of the draw so three separate people uh, get a chance of winning a prize. We, we don't want someone knocking me out one week and then coming up against Pistol and taking home a couple beer stuff. We just want to make it as best chance. But um, there's no seeds. It's all randomised. You can come up against any person on any given week. If you get a, a top 50 player in your qualifying round, that's just really disappointing. Yes. That is that is disappointing. But, but anyone can win on any given week. That's the beauty of it. That is right. So, Chizo, <laughs> do you want to take us through our new sign-ups to Patreon and Slack? Because uh, it's quite a list. I, I, I want you to guess the number. Do you, how many do you reckon are that excited about the Doc Supercoach Cup that they've jumped into the Slack channel? Easily 50, right? Yeah, it's, it's 51. Oh, there we go. 51. 51. That's uh, huge. Maybe we should put like a timestamp in the description of the podcast. So if you, if you're not one of those pe- uh, patrons and you want to get to the start of the content, um, you can <laughs> skip, skip forward, forward thirty <laughs> seconds. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, we have Matt Eager, Jordan Keast, Riley Rocket Locket, Anthony Gerlinger, Chris Wright. Hung Nguyen, who's just broken his ankle at footy training pistol, so uh, shout out to Hung Hope for a speedy recovery. Cam Smith, Harry, Dylan Smith, Roy Dubois, Nick Taylor, Noisy, Matthew Kiriakopoulos, I'll go with that pistol, Nicholas, Zach Hammond, John Edlich, Chris Black, Jordan McNay, uh, Cormac Somerville, Dayon Jailath, Stephen Cunneen, Jesse Pridham, Ethan Jugong. Oh, sorry. Uh, Ethan Juong. You're not a Pokemon, I'm sure of that. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, Charlie, Jason, Blair Smith, Kyle. I like Jugong. So it's a good Pokemon uh, Gabriel Battistella, <laughs> Matthew Searle, Ryan Smith, Lucas Bernardo, Jason Beruti. Mark Patton, Bryce Mitchell, our friend Bryce, shout out. Uh, Luke Miller, Giorgio P- Proferis, L- William Wolf, Daniel Cooper, Matt Avery, Blake Matthews, <laughs> Paul Jones, Jack Gallagher, Tyler Marr, Scaries 8, Pistol, uh, Josh Doyle, we've got Owen, 
Alex, Max, Jordan Cook, Phil Devlin, and Gavin Coombs. A big thank you to all of you that signed up. And finally, Pistol, we've got through all 51 that deserve their shout-out for becoming a patron and helping support the podcast and getting on board the Doctor Supercoach Cup in 2019, my friend. Oh, thank you very much to everyone that signs up. We really appreciate it. Chiso, my favorite part was <laughs> during the shout-outs of names, when you went to Bryce Mitchell, you're like, shout-out to Bryce Mitchell <laughs> during a shout-out of all of the people. <laughs> the double shout. Like, the it's double it's shout. a very underrated technique. <laughs> shout, uh, very underrated. Very good. <laughs> well, well while, we're, while we're doing some shout-outs, um, let's jump into the Cancer Council. Great so, idea. We have a couple of Thursday night donations from last week, which we couldn't get through just because it was an early pod and there was a Thursday night game. Um, so there are a couple of couple of new donations here, Chizo. We're going to go with Tristan Webster. Thank you very much for your donation. Um, he says, I hate Lee to have to do this, but my our young team was not up to par this week. Three donuts after injuries and selections threw my team into chaos. Perhaps I should go on a gardening leave after my <laughs> 7K drop in rankings. Who cares, though? Defeated Baltimore, New York, and Columbus to bring home the hardware and the USA AFL Eastern Regional Div 1 Championships this weekend. Well done, Tristan. And thank you yeah. for your donation and terrible puns. Um, <laughs> Fantastic photo and the slack of them with the uh, the cup as well. Yes, and you know, if you win the knockout competition, you can have two cups in as many, I was going to say in as many weeks, but it doesn't quite work that way. <laughs> it doesn't work that <laughs> you way. You just win this week. <laughs> <laughs> um, to Throts, thank you for donating for your quote-unquote five D-holes. Um, appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> Anonymous, donating for two donuts. Um, extra five for not going with 5VC and sticking with Crips. That's a dagger to the heart when that Crips poor score um, the weekends before last. Um, Jordan Keese, too, he just got a shout-out for gen- mentioning, um, for jumping into the slack. Donates for no reason besides just wanting to say, bring back Pistols puns. <laughs> I am all oh, that's for gotta this. Be the, that's got to be the first time in like three years anyone has actually acknowledged that we had a segment called Pistols puns. I I agree. <laughs> Um, I do remember why we we had a section pistols puns, and then the next week uh, another another podcast decided to have a pun section at the same time immediately after. So I kind of backed off that one and figured we'll just throw the puns as we go rather than have an actual section. But yep. maybe maybe we'll have to bring back the pistols puns at some some stage just uh, for a week. Well, or maybe two. he's just worried that JB and I have just you know grown as podcasters and and become better at making puns than you have don't be ridiculous that's obviously <laughs> not what he means uh, thank you very much to Tyler Cowan um, Oscar Baker did not score over 80 super coach as he may have boasted he would in the slack channel that was a big call I know it works the previous week for your rookie but uh, yeah that was uh, something about not doubling down um, as Chizo would say um, mm-hmm. Speaking of Chizo, um, a donation from um, Jenna Tools, uh, damn you Corbett <laughs> and Robbie Young, donane for donuts, love Chizo with a Z. So thank you for making me read that, Chizo. Um, no worries, mate. Really uh, appreciate that. I, I, I had some yeah. deliberation on what name I was going to go with, so I'm happy that we went with Jenna Tools. Well, I don't like how 
Well, I mean, it is kind of funny, but I still don't like how uh, people who donate have full control over what is read out on the podcast. Um, so Don't well, give well them played. any ideas, Pistol. I've well already played. done enough damage. You have, and you've just opened a can of worms. So I'm looking forward <laughs> to next week, that's for sure. Um, again, we'll move on. Thank you very much to Shane. I've ruined your last name every single time. So I'm going to say it's... Uh, I don't even know where to go. Every time I've said it, you've said I've said it wrong, but there's only so many ways I know how to pronounce this. So, um, Chizu, can you help me out? Don't look at me. I'm not going to step in and help you. I just had to read out 50 uh, of them. Shane, with the really good Slack DP, we'll just um, we'll go with that. Um, we call him Shaneem. Or one word, Shaneem. <laughs> yep, Shaneem. One word. Um <laughs> Thank you for your donation. Um, unfortunately, you bet on Port. Uh, sorry, you bet on Geelong, um, and you weren't the only one. Tony as well. Donation for Port beating Geelong, as promised in Slack. Congrats, JB. JB sucking in a couple of people with that uh, Port versus Geelong bet for the Cancer Council. But we do really appreciate it for all the uh, unlucky losers out there. And lastly, thanks very much to Luke Truon again. Donate for Donuts. Um, hopefully it is the last Donuts of the season, but we appreciate your um, donation anyway, and hopefully no more Donuts for you, but plenty of other Donuts for other people that will then hopefully donate for Donuts. Um, Cheezo, that brings our total up to $5,453 since the beginning of last year, which is just blows my mind. Yeah, absolutely incredible generosity from those that do listen to the uh, the podcast. And uh, it's always a bit of fun, uh, particularly in the Slack channel, um, making little you know um, bets on who we think is going to go well. And the Cancer Council always benefits for no matter on who wins. Uh, we should jump into some news for the Supercoach. We've gone on long enough here, Pistol. Um, um, Michael Walters has got off his one-week ban pistol for headbutting uh, because, as we know, if you take anything to the uh, tribunal this year, you just get off pistol. It just sent, I think it's at a hundred percent success rate. Well, yeah, the footage wasn't great, and they basically couldn't tell uh, the level of force from where the cameras were. And uh, yeah, these, he's got off. It's great for owners, not so great for non-owners, but. Um, it's Michael Walters' time. This is his season. He's in fighting form. He'll most likely, you'd think, be All-Australian uh, from here on out as well. So everything's uh, coming up Michael Walters. Yeah, I heard that last year too. Um, <laughs> so we'll jump into the main body of the podcast here, mate. Uh, something we'll be doing over the buys is just talking a little bit of strategy, a little bit of reflection that we have done, uh, things that we've learnt from our strategies this year. Pistol, I'd just like you to evaluate kind of uh, you know, how did you manage the buys this year? And now that you've come out the other side, how effective did you think that your strategy was? So just kind of attaching on to previous thoughts of the last couple of podcasts and maybe summarizing it as a whole, um, I definitely think planning for the buys from well out definitely helps. I think if you just stumbled into them, obviously there's a chance that it all goes magically well and you, you get through the other side and you, you know you have... 19 each week, 18 each week, and you just avoid all the low-scoring players. And sometimes it does work out like that. But then there's other times you end up with like 11 players in a round and you just ruin your entire season. So I definitely think you need to have at least one eye on the buys from even your starting selection. And then 
maybe two eyes as you get a bit closer uh, towards the buys. Really, that, those first upgrades around six, seven, eight, they're the times where you kind of maybe identify the top couple of players that you want to get in and just check what buys they have. I think we were looking at the buys and we were like, okay, well, most of us have Danger and Heaney. And then we looked and we were like, okay, well, Tim Kelly has that buy. And then we're looking around we're like, okay, Jake Lloyd has that buy. And we're like, oh no, all these players, Lockie Neal as well. Clayton Oliver, they all have the same buy. Um, but it's more about trying to, I guess, be adaptable. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean using uh, DPP as being, I guess, I think, I know I'm stumbling over my words here, Chizo, but I think That's a right. lot of the time people trade in, they take adaptable to meaning literally uh, positional adaptability where players can play in multiple positions. I'm not sure about you, Chizo, but I didn't use DPP, I don't think at all, throughout any of the buy rounds. Um, it didn't really seem to help. I could maybe trade one player to another player that I wouldn't be able to without DPP. I think I, that would have helped maybe in one situation, but other than that, I didn't really find it very necessary at all. In fact, it was probably more helpful in the, the two rounds before the buy where I would have saved myself um, a donut had I had that DPP. But during the buys itself, when you have three trades, you just have so much more flexibility um, that I didn't find that DPP to be so important. Um, but the lessons learned, I think, moving forwards is that right at the beginning, if there's a player like Crips and a player like, um, I'm just pulling out random ones, but just say Crips and, <laughs> Crips and Oliver, you're looking at your round one side, Crips has the last buy. Um, he's the one that I'm going to end up targeting because I don't want to have to wait until after the buys to get Crips. I'd rather get him in from the beginning, maybe just to decide between 50-50s. People that didn't have um, Crouch or Sloan or whatever it may be had to obviously wait until after their buy this week to get him. Um, and fortunately, he's at a cheap price, but it may not have happened that way. If Sloan hadn't got injured, you know, he's looking at 600 plus K and now you have to get him um, after the buys and it's an expensive trade. So, uh, yeah, I think that it's just a bit more flexibility when you're trading up to players that have already had their buy rather than waiting until the end of the buys to get those premium players into your side, Chizo. Yeah, sure. Like, I, I completely uh, agree with that. Something that's probably one of the bigger things I've taken home is the later premiums is definitely helpful to help you, you know, upgrade around them. You can upgrade earlier. Um, things that I took away... so. I've been playing this for a few years now, like you, Pistol, and I've always kind of gone in with the same strategy of trying to keep the buys as even as possible. And at the beginning of the year, I identified as that round 13 as the danger buy, and it really gave me two options. Was I going to try and, um, you know, not pick up someone like Tim Kelly during the year and hope he's still cheap after the buy? Or am I going to get on the players that are clearly the highest um, scoring and having them for the most weeks possible overall is going to help me accumulate more points and therefore be a higher rank. Um, and about that round five, six, seven area, as you talk about when you should be highlighting those players, I made the decision not to throw round 13, but not to run away from a good deal. So I wasn't going to turn down Jake Lloyd, who is by far and away the best defender this year um, in terms of average I mean he's the guy's floor is ridiculous uh, I'm not going to turn down someone like that when he's so far ahead of the other people because it's going to influence my buy 
what I attempted to do was to make sure I still had enough um, premiums and enough players playing in that round and hope that the first and second buy went really well, which they did. The only problem was the buy that Robbie Young and Josh Corbett got dropped for. And so I went from having 19 players to having 17, hence the Donate for Donuts, which you think doesn't make too much of a difference. But that's two shots at the apple that I could have in loopholing to get that extra you know, 50 points on the field is what I thought I was going to have. I thought I was in a good spot having 19. Um, and then you can't, if you rely so heavily on making sure that week is going to be your big week and something goes wrong, it just so quickly falls apart. So I think the it was a good kind of test of theory just because I was interested in giving it a go. Um, but I do think in future years what I have learned is trying to back end the buyers as much as possible with not only some big premiums in each line, but also those rookies because we saw people... Um, jumping off the likes of Sydney Stack in like the first buy round so they can upgrade or, you know, cash in. And we just saw like how useful they were, even Michael Gibbons, how useful they were during the buys, both of them putting up tons, both of them making more cash and would have been the perfect opportunity to trade them out at the last buy, come out the other other end with a fully optimized team. And that's probably the biggest thing that I've taken away from it, mate. I also learned that no one else got the fridge except for me, so um, that was going terribly until this week. And I was, <laughs> I'm watching the game, and I'm like, "Yeah, the fridge scored a goal," and then just no one saying anything on Slack, and I'm like, "Okay, so, <laughs> so am I the only person with him?" <laughs> and I, you literally were. Yeah, no, no one else. Fair enough as well. I, he's, I, I, I would have say said I wasn't sure he was going to make it through the bye um, until the last couple of weeks where he stayed in the side because of an injury and then happens to kick, you know, a bag this week. That was pretty nice. Well, I've always ranked, uh, rated him as a uh, like a really good player, but I just, his history and his elevated price to bring him in just didn't seem like a good option. He's still not a good option. <laughs> like, You're just happy, not happy that the one week you needed him to score. Yeah, no, this isn't like a hindsight gloat. I still didn't make a good decision. It just happened to work out. Uh, sometimes that happens. Um, anyway, moving on, Chizo. Um, so coming, moving out of the buys, now we've got a clean slate. We've got a fresh run home. Who are we looking at as the top six to eight players on every line just Ignore the fact that obviously there's people have scored points so far to this point in the season. Let's wipe sure. their averages clean. And mm. you pick three, I'll pick three. We'll go with midfielders, defenders, forwards. Um, now we have as much information as we're probably going to get given it's the end of the buys. Yep. Um, we know now DeBoer's out. There's no tag. So let's uh, let's get cracking. Let's start with the defenders. Pick your, pick your three. Okay, so I'm going to pick the obvious one. Jake Lloyd is going to be the highest averaging defender for 2019. That I think that's just a given. Um, any order. Any order, Cheezer. Any know? order. Okay. Uh, I really uh, like the look of Tom Stewart. I think that uh, he's going to... He, his consistency is just really good. I think that uh, with their run coming home, I think he's going to be a, a decent pick. Uh, and I also like um, the one that I've been banging on about most of the season. I finally get him in this week, Pistol, and that's Luke Ryan. I think that he's going to be uh, he's going to be decent on the run home, run home too. I'm glad you finally got Luke Ryan. I feel like uh, that's been a yeah, long time I can shut up about coming. it now, right? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> um, not groundbreaking here. 
Shannon Hearn, I didn't think he played particularly well at all. I know he went by at 100% disposal efficiency, but... You know, he gets a lot of those long kickouts and they count as disposals that are effective, but I, I didn't feel like he influenced the play last week almost at all, but still scored 92. So if you, ha- if you have a player like that where you can barely notice them and they're almost tunning up, what happens when you do notice them, Chizo? They just score absolutely 150s. Yeah. bonkers. Um, so for me, Shannon Hearn's the player that if you you, you pretty much can't go without um, for the rest of the season. It doesn't mean you have to get him this week. Um, we'll talk about that a bit later. But, um, well, actually, Cheezer, do you want to talk about that now? Just very quickly. Um, okay, okay. We'll, we'll, we'll segue into that. Um, yeah. Obviously, with the high break even, just like last week, if he puts up a you know another 92 back-to-back scores, he's going to fall another significant um, yeah, chunk of money. Yeah, 30K. So you're going to be picking up someone that was priced in the mid-600,000s for 540k like is that not one of the best deals of the year i don't think he quite got over 600,000 but he got he got 599 so he, yeah. he got up there and exaggerate he, for effect but exaggerate for effect his break even is 161 so he's going to go down he's scoring at a rate that for a season is 111 though he said we ignore that but it's a new section so i break my own rules um I, th- I think the cash is so important this season where if you can give it one more week, um, I probably would, but it depends who you're trading out. So if you're trading out a Dersma, I probably could just give it one more week given Dersma scores okay. But if I'm trading out like an Answorth, um, I know he's the only one that I can think of um, at this point in time, maybe even a whore possibly, depending on if you were panicking about his score from last week and if you were going to keep him or not, which we'll talk about a bit later. That one we will talk about later. Um, yeah, I think you could make the move, especially if you're in the top 100. I think he's a way to go to get some quick points uh, back on the rest of the field. But um, otherwise, yeah, for, for us mere mortals, I think you just wait a week, take the 30k price drop and just be happy with it. Um, from there, Chizo. I think I only named one, so um, I've got a couple more to go. Um, Rory Laird, it's a good run coming up. I didn't expect him to score amazingly um, this week, but I think he'll do enough. And I'm not going to say Whitfield because uh, he's out for at least uh, another two weeks, according to GWS. So that puts um, our old friend Zach Williams into contention. Will he actually play every game for the rest of the season? I don't know, but if he does, he'll score well. So um, we'll go with Zach William, but there's still those options like um, a Hooley or a Daniel Rich who will be thereabouts, uh, I think, Chizo. Yeah, I- I'm I'm still yet to be convinced that Hooley is going to be, you know, that 110 average as he's, he's claimed to be over the first, like, five or eight games that he's played. So... Uh, I, I guess that's why he's been omitted by both of us. So let's jump into the midfield. All right. Well, I guess I'll take dibs because uh, you, you started first. with the other one. Um, all right. Well, I'm going to go any order, but I'm going to go Luke Parker. I mentioned it last week that I thought he was going to be uh, one of the best picks to end the season. And he came out and he looked amazing. And Josh Kennedy played as well. So I don't have to worry about Kennedy coming in and ruining um, Luke Parker's style because the man is just in fantastic form. His confidence is up. He's doing absolutely everything and 138 super coach points, a five round average of 135, a three round of 131, 
if you can afford him, he's a monster POD, 2.4% of teams, 630k, so he will set you back a lot, but I definitely think that he's going to be up there, so he's he's in for me, that, that top midfielder. Um, Jack McRae winding back the clock with two big scores in a row, um, now at 122 five-round average, 127 three-round average, so McRae... If you don't have him as well, he's cheaper than he should be at 591k. He's still really good value, uh, so I would recommend getting him in. And, Cheezo, there's a couple of obvious picks. Um, I guess I'll take the most obvious picks. You, you, take, you take the obvious picks, mate. I'm happy to get the red herrings and, and the surprise picks. You know what? I won't do that to you. I'll uh, go a little bit outside the box here. <laughs> I'm feeling Elliot Yo. Um to end the year in the top eight midfielders. A five-round average now of 120 and a three-round average of um, 115. His scores since round six have been 116, 132, 115, 136, 115, 90, 142. He is an awesome supercoach player. He's kind of in that same mold as that Luke Parker, as those Rory Sloans, where they just do everything good. Like, they can take good grabs, they tackle heaps, they get a lot of the ball, they use it well. These these are players that you want in your supercoach side, and I think Yo has definitely got the potential to go 115-plus on the way home. And as a little bonus, they still play at um, their home ground five times um, across the next 10 weeks, Chizo. Yeah, so that, that that that's your three. Uh, I think the obvious choice. Well, there's two obvious choices that you've left me. Um, Josh Kelly and Nat Fife. I think if they play, they easily score high enough to be in the top three. You can probably throw in Paddy Cripps in there too, even though he's had a little bit of a slump. Um, however, I do want to make note of the resurgence of Clayton Oliver Pistol. I think that we're starting to see. That little uptick that we, you know, had expected at the start of the year. If you started with him like I did, I expected this from the beginning of the year. I feel like we're going to see a little bit more consistency in scoring power, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him in the top, uh, let's say eight to ten, uh, highest scoring from from here on out. I, I think it's going to be uh, really nice scoring on the on the back half of the year. Nope. Fair enough. I certainly agree. With that. <laughs> I love how you're just like, nope. <laughs> nope. nope. Uh, it's it's. I got him in last week. I definitely agree. So I have nothing more to add except I was kind of hoping that you would say Zach Merritt. <laughs> nah, I, I do like Merritt as a, as an option, but he's just uh, too up and down for me. Too much variance. Okay. Fair enough. All right. Uh, then uh, we get into the forward line, mate. Uh, I'll take the first one. You go second one. We'll go from that point on. What do you reckon? All right. We're draft. We're doing. We're, we're doing a draft. Doing a draft. Danger's resurgence is hard to ignore. Uh, he's got to be uh, number one for me. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I will take with my second pick. Um, I'm going to go with Josh Dunkley. Yeah, I think okay, I like that. Sp- big speaks for itself. Pick number three, Travis Boke. Oh, you went for Boke? Okay, yep. I, I can feel, <laughs> I can feel uh, the old Travis Boke there. <laughs> I will go with the probably fourth standout option of Tim Kelly. No surprises. We might need to go a bit deeper with these picks, uh, Chizo. Maybe maybe a couple more each. Upgraded to pick five, Rowan Marshall. Rowan, Rowan Marshall over Caleb Daniel? I'm picking Rowan Marshall over Caleb Daniel. Wow, how times have changed. 
feels like <laughs> how a fortnight has changed my concept of supercoach. <laughs> Isn't he going to tire out? But you know, by the end of the season. Look, as you've said repeatedly, he's not Nankers. He's a completely <laughs> different person. And, you know, I've seen the light. I've seen the light. I actually, you know what I did? This is going to be crazy. I actually watched a St Kilda game of football. Oh, no, Cheese. And it's so crazy. I forgot what their jersey would look like. I wouldn't wish that upon my worst enemy. <laughs> so does that mean you're going to be taking Caleb, little Caleb in uh, pick six? Is that what you're saying? No, I, I do want to call out that whilst I did say Rowan Marshall was not like Nank and would be a great pick, I also said Tom Hawkins last week would finish <laughs> more scoring more points than Caleb Daniel. And do you know what? He scored his worst score in 10 years. He scored 24 points. His worst Proof score that he listens. in a Proof decade <laughs> immediately after I make that call. That's insane. Um, but hey, you know what? Um I, I heard this, um, I don't, can't remember where I heard this. He's actually got a really good run coming up. <laughs> he has a great run and he scored 24 <laughs> points. He got dialed up and now, uh, yeah, I can't say I would take him over, Caleb Daniel. One week theory has changed my mind. Um, uh, I really hope he didn't have to block too much abuse on Twitter from people that traded him in. I don't think anyone traded him in, so I'm, I'm pretty safe with that one. Oh, that that one that one works out well in your favour, doesn't it? <laughs> that one does. When when people are like, yeah, that's a bit too crazy, even for me. <laughs> <laughs> so I will go with Caleb Daniel. All right, all right. I appreciate that. Uh, obviously, a lot of those aren't too surprising, but it's nice that we chucked a, a few little uh, change ups in there. Uh, Pistol. The, the next part of the podcast I do want to go through. One of our patrons, Giorgio, actually went through the painstaking task of going through every. Supercoach side of the top 100. I think he ended up making it to the top 200 teams uh, in overall rank and listing the percentages of the premiums that they had in their side. Um, and some of the uh, some of the numbers are pretty surprising there, mate. I know you've got them in front of you. I do. Um, I'm pretty sure he manually, Chizo, went through one by one. There's no exactly. way he wrote a script and, you know, pulled the data. It just... It was a manual uh, effort, so we do thank you very much. And you can uh, find this data on his Twitter at uh, grprof96, so G-R-P-R-O-F 96. And in the top 100, there's two players, Chizo. I don't think you've seen this, have you? No, I haven't. I've Great. had no knowledge of it whatsoever. I can make a game out of it then. There's you two can just players. make it up. <laughs> <laughs> there's two players in the top 100 that have 100% ownership, only two. Which two are they? I would say the two Ruckman, Gorn and Grundy. You are incorrect. Uh, it oh. is Grundy. The other one is Patrick Dangerfield. Ooh. Actually. Oh, I suppose that's not surprising. His ownership's like 100% anyway, isn't it? <laughs> it's uh, 67%. There, it's, around, it's, it's close. Uh, Patrick Cripps is in 99%. Jake Lloyd, 99 Fife, 98 Tim Kelly, 97 Gorn, 96 Dunkley is at 90, Chizo. So yeah. when we said... It just it goes to ruin, show you how important he is. When we said we could ruin your season by not getting him in, well, we, that is, that's facts right there. It's If he flies, which he has been flying, um, you're left behind because everyone else has him right now. Um, Travis Spoke is in 90 and Lockie Neal is in 90 so a couple of other players uh, that are commonly owned um, 
include Laird at 70 in the top 100. Sicily is at 62, Chizo. Now, that's important for a couple of reasons mm-hmm. that we'll mention um, after this. Hoare is in 59, and Zach Williams is in 56. Oliver is in 66, and Heaney, as well, is in 55. Chizo, there are exactly one person in the top 100 that owned these four players. I won't make you guess them, but I will want to hear your reaction. All one right. person <laughs> It's going to be something stupid, isn't it? <laughs> it's going to be something real left field. <laughs> one person owns Lockie Whitfield. Just one. Only only one. So only they all one. traded him out or they, either didn't have him. Exactly. They all. I assume they all traded him out. So yeah. that is very interesting uh, for those that still have Lockie Whitfield. That is a so, massive POD on the run. If home. you wanted to know what the go was with Lockie Whitfield, whether you kept him or not, this is the top 100 we're talking about. And you're going to wait two more weeks at least until yep. we see him. At least. So another person has... Jordan Roughhead. <laughs> what? I don't. I don't really know how I'm meant to explain this one, except that he's a th- rough forward and he's 340k. I'm. I'm guessing it's cover. <laughs> is it like F7? I assume cover? that's what it is. No, but he's got the same buy as Grundy. So why the hell would you have him? Just in case Grundy's out and. Um, <laughs> I can't really explain it. It's uh, it's a strange pick. He wasn't There's even a- cheap. It's not like he he bottomed out at like two hundred k. Like the cheapest he's got this year is three hundred and ten k. So that's an active decision to get cover in. Wow. Um, wow. So it's interesting. Um, my next favorite, or probably my favorite on the list, is one person owns Toby McLean. Uh, I, you know, I sometimes you get an affiliate, uh, what's the, an affinity for certain players. I'm like that with Darcy Parrish. I have to fight every single trade I make not to just use it on him for no reason. I can understand someone bringing in Toby because of the good times. I think, I imagine it's someone that's just started with him and they're like, you know what, he's going to come good. And then they've held him and then he gets dropped this week, and it's like, oh, and he was I never might, coming. I good. might be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> might, may, he may never come good again. And lastly, one person has Jacob Hopper, which is an interesting pick, Chizo. One of my breakouts in the preseason. That's not a bad pick. Maybe he listens to the podcast. Uh, I mean, he's top one hundred, so probably not. Um, yeah, yeah, that's that's true. <laughs> that, that's like a that's like a, a burn. What are you doing? <laughs> um. That's, that's interesting. I, I, I'm surprised that there's nothing more left field than Jordan Ruffhead. I'm surprised there's not a large percentage with Tom Hawkins, Chizo. Yeah, well, that's why they're top 100, isn't it? <laughs> What's this with the burns? <laughs> the, 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 the one thing I will mention, Hull, I'm just going to bring up defense for a second. The reason that we talked about Rory Laird in the preseason, um, when we were talking about it, we said we weren't going to get him because we didn't see the ability for him to increase his scoring this year, which is exactly what happened. However, he scores 100 every week and doesn't miss games. And so if you go by total points averaged so far this year, uh, sorry, total points accumulated, he's the fifth highest scoring defender. If you'd started with him, you've got a defender that's just dependable every single week. And that's probably why he's in a significant number of the um, the top 100, because he's only in, in 40% of teams overall, but he's in a significantly higher percentage um, of those in the top 100. So that's something interesting for, for future, um, I guess, team selections, maybe starting squads next year. We 
could look towards picking these safer options that we can just plug in and forget about them? Yeah, I mean, I don't think I've felt like I've missed out by not having led this whole season and I can pick him up 80k cheaper this week. So I've certainly missed out with about 17 different injuries I've had in in um, my team this year, particularly in the back line. Getting Whitfield in, getting Whitfield out, getting Zach Williams back in, it's just all over the place. Back in? I have no idea what you're doing with yeah, your no, team. that didn't here. happen, but um, um, Whitfield back <laughs> in in the future. Look, anyway, I think uh, some key points to take from this is that uh, 62 teams have Sicily. So let's talk about Sicily at the moment. He's playing a forward role. He cannot score well as a forward whatsoever. Clarko did say that, yes, the uh, experiment hasn't been going very well, and he kind of seemed like he was going to lead into saying, it's over, the experiment's done, we're going to have to play him back. But I think that the quote was something really strange. Cheese, um, I'll try and find it, but... Uh, he was saying, like, we have an all-Australian... So this is the exact cloak. He says, do we keep... Uh, the Sicily one hasn't worked for us in the last two weeks. Do we keep trying that, or do we take him back to where he has played his best footy over the last 18 months? We'll just need to explore that. And I'm like, what? You're, you're saying we're taking someone who's played his best football out of that position, but we'll just need to explore that? Like, that doesn't make sense. And he follows it up by saying, we are trying to continue... Sorry, we are continuing to try things. That one hasn't worked for us, but it's only been two games. We'll see where we go with it in the next few weeks. So, Chizo, the question is, if 62% of the top 100 have Sicily, what do you do if you don't own... Firstly, what do you do if you don't own him? Because he's going to get very cheap and probably irresistible. And then what do you do if you do have him? You're asking me the hardest question. I realize why you wanted to segue in it yourself, so that you got to ask the question instead of answer it. Um, obviously, I think if you've got him, you're going to be holding him. Because I think, I think Sicily comes good at some point in the year. And at this point, we don't have the luxury trades to trade him out on the assumption that he's going to get more time in the forward line. If you've got more than 10 trades, you could possibly consider it, but I don't have that. I don't think a lot of people have more than 10 trades at this point, Pistol. I don't know what you're at. Um, <laughs> I think that he is going to be a good scorer long term. I know that there's a lot of people that haven't finished their back lines, myself included. I've still got one more spot there available. Obviously, we've got Whitfield floating around in there, but he's not going to get that cheap. And if you combine that with the fact that rookies this year have been so hard to come by, I mean, like genuine like cash generating rookies that we can use on a regular basis. I think a cheap James Sicily is going to be a perfect D6 and 62% of the top 100 also think so. Well, I mean, they they didn't get him in with any knowledge of him playing as a forward unless they got him in this round, uh, which True. would have been a bit silly. So I don't think people in the top 100 are making that decision. They They probably do own him, but I do agree that I think everyone can see what's happening with Sicily and he can't play forward. And I think Clarker will have to bow to some pressure at some point in time and we'll have to play him back in the back line. So I don't really have to worry about that. What what I would worry about if I was in the top 100, Hoare is in 59% of teams, Chizo. Now, Hoare isn't a proven premium player. So where do you go from if you have Hoare coming off, you know, he's one of his worst scores of the season? I assume 
that Hoare is going to be their last upgrade. I, I assume at this point, if they've managed a way to get him to D7, they deserve to be in the top 100. Now, that, that means you've hit every possible good cash cow and you've been able to, to hold on to him. I had to cash in Hoare just to find the money to be able to make the upgrades I needed during the buy. So I'm assuming that a lot of those, or at least a significant portion of those that do have him, are still planning on upgrading him. Because I, I still don't think that Hawes is a season-long keeper. He's had one score of a ton, and he's a first-year player. I just I don't see it happening. Yes, so I wholeheartedly agree with you. We're talking about a position where there's at least six players where they're averaging more than 100 points per game compared to Hoare, who you know, has pretty much been averaging mid-80s um, for the last you know, 10 weeks or something like that. That's a great score. It's not going to kill your season. And I don't think you're in an immediate rush to get him out, given he plays Brisbane and then Carlton. Um, but in the next fortnight, you probably want to figure out what you're doing. If you can get him to a Hearn or you can maybe in two weeks' time get him to a Whitfield, I think that might be the play instead. But certainly, especially if you're pushing or even if you're chasing the top 100, just knowing so many people um, in the top 100 have whore, I would be definitely looking for forward to actually getting rid of him just so I could gain those you know 20 points per game on the rest of the competition by trading him out Chizo. yeah no I agree with that um so let's just kind of segue again from Hoare into the next question the Hoare versus Brody Smith discussion talk to me about your thoughts on that <laughs> well damn that's a hard question Chizo. Mm. <laughs> I can because see why every you single week to... we th- we, we think it's, it's gone one way, one week, and then the opposite week, we just, we think, like, I think we started out thinking that Hoare is going to be a good one to hold, and I think we still kind of have that same belief, but I think we've really, we've recognized that the sooner we're able to upgrade him, the better long term for our, our season. I think we're both in the camp that Brody Smith just has to be upgraded at some point, as quick as possible. I would like to. Um, I don't know how long that will take me, considering how much money he has dropped um, in the last five, six weeks. Um, I'm a bit worried given his high score against Geelong um, is 80. Uh, He has a poor career average against Geelong, and he already has a break-even of 115, so I'm not looking forward to how low he's going to drop. Um, But that being said... If I had Hoare and him, I probably would trade him out this week and keep Hoare for a couple of weeks just because of that money situation. But if money wasn't a factor, yeah, I think for I'd that run of games, it's tough. They've, they've got that run of games where he's got Gold Coast, Essendon, Carlton, St. Kilda. I still think during that run, there's a good chance he can score on you know 90-plus in those four games in a row. Even against Port Adelaide, it's possible. So... This week is the hurdle. I'm expecting a low score from Brody Smith, and then I'll just hold probably for the next three, four, five weeks and reassess and look where Whitfield's at, um, and probably keep Brody Smith until then. Uh, but Cheezo, I think the question now is: people that have either Brody Smith at D6 or Hoare at D6, D6, and then you've got Griffin Logue, who's now come in with two really good scores, 103 last week. Um, and that's coming off a round one score of 93. Sorry, not round one. His first week score of 93. So people are asking, do I downgrade Brody Smith 
or whore to Logue and use Logue for a couple of weeks as my D6. What do you think about that play? I really don't mind it. I mean, particularly if you've got um, the ability to loophole and you've got someone like Nash in there as well, you could be you know, fighting for the, the best possible rookie score. I think the important thing that we're trying to say is I think Smith's scoring is dead. I think that you're really not losing anything if you need to find cash and you've got Brody Smith and Logue on the bubble this week. So I, I'm not averse to that. I'm luckily still able to um, do a defensive downgrade this week with the likes of Dersmer and, and Darcy Moore. So I'm not faced with that question. Um, but in terms of that situation, I actually don't really have that much of an issue with it because we do need to get as much cash as we can and they're not season-long keepers and so you have to treat them as just cash cows. You just have to treat them as a way to make money and yes, it'd be nice to have one of them at D7 but if we're realistic, it's going to be very difficult to do that. I still... I don't feel great about Logan. I don't know if it's... I don't think Logue's going to score 90s every week. Let's put that out there. In the waffle, he's not doing those numbers. He's just straight up not doing it. He's not getting anywhere near that. He he seems to be doing exactly what Logan Austin did last year where he came to the AFL and he was scoring 80-plus every week and we're just like, is this Logan? Like, what is going on? This is not his scoring. And Logue this week has Carlton, so I imagine he, he could turn up again this week because Kelton's entry into the forward line is beyond poor. So he's probably taking all these intercept marks and I imagine he will score very well this week. But yeah. then he's got West well, Coast the week after and I don't feel great about that game, Cheese. I, I feel like that could be a very poor score. So if it was a one-week play having him on the field, I'd be fine with it. But if I'm picking him there for the next couple of weeks, I would be very If, if you're holding him and waiting for for Whitfield, that's, that's a different issue. I'm assuming that you've got a plan to get him off the field as soon as possible. Because the thing is with both Hoare and Smith, their roles are not so much impacted, but we saw, let's say, take Smith, for example. He was taking a large portion of the kickouts. He's not doing that as more. He's still taking some kickouts. He's not doing as many as he was with Miller and Luke Brown come uh, come back into the side because they were correspondingly out of the team when his scoring went through the roof and we thought he was going to be a good keeper. Hoare is still doing the same role that he has, but he's... That Melbourne side is not so much a revolving door, but they've also had a few defenders that weren't there during that good patch that are coming back. I'm not saying that their roles or their scoring potential is suddenly going to fall through the floor, but there are now reasons to suspect they're not going to be averaging 90 for the remainder of the year. And so for that reason, I think you should try and cash them in at the most money you can make out of them because they're just cash cows. That's all they are. Um, it's a, in my opinion, obviously. Um so in that situation, if you've got one of them to go to Logue and it allows you to upgrade that last midfield position, overall, I think you're going to be making more points on field with Logue plus a premium mid than you were with uh, like um, someone yet to be upgraded in the midfield and Hoare or Smith in the back line. That's the way I see it. I think in the grand scheme of things, I think it makes your team better if you've got a plan to get Logue off your field in the next two or three weeks at maximum. I think as well, if you can loophole Logue with Nash or loophole him with somebody else, you know, that risk is kind of decreased. Just obviously you get two bites of the cherry if you're loopholing. Um, I know this week you can't loophole if you've got Nash and Gardner. That loophole doesn't quite work. But uh, the week after that, you can loophole them. So that might help a little bit in just kind of getting 
everyone plays one week at a time, but that helps get that extra one week at a time, um, knowing that you probably can get a decent score out of Nash vs. Gold Coast if he is still playing by then. Yeah, sure. Which he's performing quite well, so I'd be surprised if they um, are going to dump him, particularly with the injury history. Uh, Pistol, now that we are talking about a few of uh, the downgrade options, why don't we jump into a few of the bubble boys that uh, we might have to contend with this year. Obviously, we've talked about Logue. Uh, if you haven't got Nash this week, if you had to pick between one of those two defenders, um, which one would you be going? I'd be taking Logue, even though he's 40k more. One, it's job security, isn't it? His job security is rock solid. Yeah. He's going to play even... If I can keep him for the rest of the year as my D7, I will be perfectly happy. I just won't need to burn a trade if uh, someone's out. At this point in time, you could even loophole him with Sicily. That's how ridiculous it is, uh, Sicily, <laughs> Sicily scoring as a forward. Um, so, Logue for me, I would take... I know I, I like Nash a lot. Um, he's a good scorer, but I don't know if he's going to be able to play out for the rest of the season. Um, so there's certainly that. Other players to consider, Nick Hines, um, Chizo, 117k mid, uh, did score 90 on the weekend. Uh, so he's also going to make quite a bit of money. And then DeBoer's out for eight weeks. We're guessing maybe it's Haitley time, but we say that every time a GWS player goes out, it's like, it's Haitley, he's coming in, and then he just never plays. So, And then they um, pick someone randomly from their Neeful side that's not even on their list. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, this is the player that we need. So we've got those four bubble boys. Um, I will definitely ask you to order them, but I'm going to okay. throw in another one just because the lack of, I guess, forward downgrade options uh, available. Um there was a first gamer, Jared Cameron. He's a mid-forward for West Coast. He came in for the suspended Rioli, but he kicked three goals. Um, he did score 69 super coach points, so I want to add him to the list as well as 117k forward rookie when we're going through all of these rookie options. And uh, if you could please rank them for me, go. Mm-hmm. I'm going to rank Logue number one, job security, and seemingly good scoring potential. I'd be getting him first. I would be picking Naish over Haitley, who would be in third spot. Um, Naish, because I think that his game is actually quite well suited to Richmond. I think running along the wing, he's being used as that link-up player and he's shown that he can score, so I'm quite happy with that. The fact that he is slightly cheaper is also beneficial. I think we're less likely at this stage of the season needing Haitley to be... um, getting games and we've kind of missed the window where his downgrade is going to be useful um, especially if you've got the likes of say Dylan Clark that's already you know making us money in the midfield he may be uh, if you've got Bailey Scott and like a Will Hayes on your bench and you've just got Dylan Clark and he's probably your ticket to that um, that last bit of cash if you're bringing Haitley in you have to be able to you know more than likely figure a way to be able to, to get him out to use that cash so um, that's why I'm slightly rating him down because we're less likely to be able to pick him up or need to pick him up. Nick Hind in fourth because um, while he has a crazy variance of a 31 week and a 90 the next, uh, we have been banging on about him for pretty much since the preseason. He gut runs all day uh, and he's actually a pretty good disposal by foot when he was playing for the Essendon for a quarter lot of him. So uh, I do like the way he plays um, and I think his job security is slightly ahead of that of Cameron who... Um, is just a placeholder for this side. And if he's scoring a mid-60s with three goals, you know, 
our team certainly need help if you need to bring him onto the field on a game that they, they have a tough game that he might scrape through one goal and put up a 20 or something like that. It's Matt Parker all over again. Fair enough. Uh, it's going to go with the Petrocelli example because he haunted me for majority of my seasons. So. <laughs> You've still got him, don't you? No, no, I finally got rid of him last week. No, I mean in your dreams. You've still uh, got Petrocelli in your dreams. That is correct. Uh, it's, <laughs> the dreams go, go very quickly um, and it's just Petrocelli running. Chizo, I think I disagree with, well, our orders are very different. Um, you we think do. you disagree or you disagree? I, I, no, I, I definitely Don't do sit on disagree. The fence. But Don't I, sit on the I fence. Wanted to, I didn't okay. want to be harsh. Okay. Tell me why. Uh, Tell me why. You, you've already called me a jerk in this podcast, so <laughs> trying I? to limit, oh, limit that to. behavior. Um, Logue, I definitely see as a number one option. The job security there, the cover for the season, I think is incredibly valuable. So uh, for me... It's Logue. We just, at this point in time, have to get him. Even if he averages 55 for the rest of the year, at least he's going to play the rest of the year. I can't guarantee that with almost any other rookie um, that we've got currently on our benches, as well as the ones that we are trading in. So uh, for me, I certainly agree with that. And then I'm just looking for job security. Uh, I'd, I'd like the thought of Haightley. Um, obviously, he can score incredibly well. I, w- I should say, if you don't have an M8... So you will actually be playing him on the field, and he comes in. He's, I would yeah, be getting him. Potential. Yeah, I, I just would be getting him because he could he could turn up this week. So um, I certainly would be looking at him if I hadn't completed my midfield. Otherwise, I would actually be going for Hines. Um, I think he's earned himself a couple of weeks in that St Kilda side, and he doesn't really need to score that well. Um, he's only 117k. Obviously, you want him to score well to make more money, but I just want someone that's going to play, and I think that he will. So, for me, he would be the next on my target list. Then, of course, <laughs> I was going to say, of course it must be Haley. I don't know if Haley's going to play. He's probably not going to play this week, Chizo, so of course it's going to be Nash. Uh, he... He's, he's one bad game from being dropped from the Richmond side. I don't think... Um, Playing well, he is going to earn you too many, too many games. Given Richmond need to win, and they have about twenty players out. So as soon as their best twenty-two players are fit, they need that match fitness. They need to be able to get back in that side. They need to win games and play together. So um, I just don't see Nash being a big part of Richmond's final campaign. So um, I think he he's learnt a lot this year, and he'll be better for the experience uh, that AFL exposure. But this isn't the year for Nash. Um, so I would yeah, rank him a, a little bit lower than the others, but definitely would still get him if I needed um, someone at his price uh, for the back line. And then lastly, I don't think I'd be touching Cameron unless um, something happened to Rioli and he just couldn't make it back in the side for long, for a long period of time. But as a M, I guess a M11, if you needed that DPP, he is far from the worst option there, Chizo. Yeah, sure. Um, that wraps up the bubble boys the last thing we've got on the run sheet here pistol is daniel hannabury talk to me about your thoughts on him he's uh kind of stirring a little bit um in the underpant of the uh, the super coach player thinking that we can get a really cheap m9 for the season stirring in the underpant oh whatever ross lyon says he he said something about it <laughs> okay um look he's cheap I'll give you that, but that doesn't mean he's good. Um, unfortunately, he has started to get games right when it's kind of irrelevant to us super coach players. Um, he will make a lot of money. 
He has a break-even of one already after one match. Uh, 326k, scored a 96 in his return. And he looks really good, Chizo. He was running really hard. And I can see him scoring well um, for the rest of the season. Not well enough to, to trade in, but... I'm talking, you know, 95 to lower hundreds. Um, he could certainly, he's capable of averaging that, but it's just a bit too little, a bit too late. Like, are, are we going to trade him in for cover? Probably not. I'd rather just keep my trade and have Dylan Clark as cover for the rest of the season and hope that he can put in a 70-plus score when I need him um, rather than wasting a trade on someone like Hannes and trying to loophole him and my M8. Um, I think trades are just going to be a bit more valuable this season. Um, yeah, completely agree. I, I do want to mention one last thing um, that we did not bring up, and that's the fact that Buddy Franklin is out. And last time Buddy Franklin was out, they forced Heaney to play forward a lot more, and his scoring was absolutely woeful. Now, Chizo, we just spoke about the percentage of teams that, sorry, in the top 100, 55 teams have Heaney. If you're chasing and you want to make a big play, I know we just spoke about keeping Sicily and coming good. What about Heaney? Keeping, what about potentially trading him out um, on the run home, predicting that he's going to have to go forward in, in Buddy's absence? Well, it's different to Sicily, isn't it? Because we're predicting Sicily goes back to the role that he benefits the, Hawth, the, the Hawks the most, which is you know going to be more points scored for our Supercoach side. However, on the flip side, the same thing happening for Isaac Heaney, the best thing he can do for the Swans is to go forward, which is going to kill his supercoach team. So same situation but different outcomes, which means I'm more inclined to do a sneaky play with Heaney, provided that everything else was covered. Because if you're eating into those emergency trades right at the, the that you should have back, you know, sitting sitting in the bank, maybe it's, you know, people could be down as low as two or three or four by the time their teams are finished. So if you're then doing a luxury trade on that, I feel like you're just putting yourself into a corner and that trade with Heaney is going to come back to bite you. So I can see the potential in it. Not being in the top 100 myself, I can't really say what I would do. I think that is the biggest mistake I've made in my starting side was choosing Heaney over Dunkley. And I think those figures that you've, have talked about have probably uh, reiterated that to me as well. So I'm, I'm not averse to it. Uh, I think it's a, definitely an option to consider. So I probably wouldn't make the move this week just because they have Gold Coasts. But if could, I he could was... Get 10. Yeah, he could. But if I, if I were to make a play, just something that could break me apart from the rest of the pack, if I was chasing in that top 100 and I wanted something to set me apart, basically, uh, as they call it, the balls to the wall move. Um, just try anything to try and win. I probably would consider trading out Heaney and hope he starts scoring um, poorly just because the other forward options that are available are scoring really well. So we're talking uh, Dangerfield has a 143 on average. Obviously, everyone has him. If you don't have Dunkley, he has 131 average. Michael Walters has a three-round average of 128. Rowan Marshall has a three-round average of 126. Boak 123, Caleb Daniel 117. All of these players could average, you know, 30 points per game more than Heaney if he is playing in, you know, a more forward role. Um, It's just something to keep your eye on. There's other players as well. Chizu, Jay-Z, 108 three-run average. Robbie Gray, 112 three-run average. I'd be kind of less inclined to jump to them 
Um, maybe Jay-Z you could make a case for, but he's probably the last person yeah. out of the names I read out that I would bother making a swap for. Otherwise, yeah. it's not just worth it. But um, certainly someone like Rowan Marshall um, as your your F6 um, at the expense of Heaney, that that could be a big win. Um, well, we'll let, I'll, I'll clarify my final thoughts on it. Your entire side needs to be finished and complete. Yes. And you're sitting there with a trade to spare uh, beyond your little emergency stash that you've got. And you're thinking, oh, what am I going to do with this? Can I just go from Heaney to Marshall? Yeah, I can do that. Let's do it. Other than that, I think you're going to back yourself into a corner more often than not in this situation. Yes. Nope, I, I totally agree with that. Um, and the last last person I, I just wanted to touch on, we did mention just then Scott Lice at 135, 3 on average, 180 uh, last week, 115, um, sorry, 111 the week before that and 115 the week before. So he has put together um, a three really good games in a row. Westhoff and uh, Ryder, both out of that Port Adelaide side because of form. We don't know if they're going to make it back in um, at some stage, but Lysett has that ruck forward DPP. Would he be somebody that you would look at for Heaney? I don't think so. <laughs> I, I, I don't think that's sustainable. I thought I, we saw him have a few games at the start of the year before dropping away. I think the same thing's happened. It's peaking in relation to the amount of time he's spending around the ball um, with the omissions that they've had from that side. I don't think Port go into the finals without those two players. I think this is a wake-up call, and I think they come back, and I think they impact his ability to score over the long term. And not only that, the number one side actually has Lysett in their squad. So if you are chasing and you are in the top 10 and you're trying to find you know, those players that will separate you from everyone else, it's not it's Scott It's not going to be Lysett. It's not That's him. right. So don't even worry about it. Yeah. I, I, I think ending a podcast talking about Scott Lysett, I never thought I'd, I'd see the day, Pistol, but today is the day. Oh dear. Well, um, I'd like to end on the fact that um, Hawkins has a good draw coming up. So uh, <laughs> uh, let, let's let's quickly before we wrap it up, Chizo, because it is. I know I keep saying quickly, but um, it it is a round that has a Thursday night game. So would you be able to tell me a quick uh, VC and C option, and I'll I'll do the same. Okay. I don't even know who plays first. Um, VC. I think Josh Kelly on the Thursday night wouldn't be terrible because they're going to send Dylan Clark to him, but I just don't think Dylan Clark's going to impact the way that Kelly plays because he's just too dynamic. Um, Or I don't mind the look of Danger versus Adelaide in Geelong as well. I think he's got um, that that three-round average, that little bit of burst that we've seen him come back from that. Um, I think it was that ankle injury earlier on in the season. I think he's really starting to hit his straps. I really like the idea of danger with a VC. Yeah, so um, he has a three-round average of 140, but his last three games against Adelaide are 149, 142, and 158. Okay, that, that's easy then. We don't even need to talk <laughs> about VCs. Danger VC. Um, and then can you go past the likes of a Grundy or a Gorn on the Saturday or Sunday? You could even go Grundy into Gorn yet again. 
you could. Uh, after watching Grundy last week, he can Live. do anything. Yeah, he. It's actually scary because I, I, there's no limit. This is with a sore ankle pistol. Yeah, 174 on <laughs> a sore ankle. He, he, he could just he could just kept going. I, I, I don't I don't even know what to think. Honestly, I feel like JB was hilarious because on the previous podcast he said i think grundy is going to go 180 and i said well if gorn goes 140 are you going to take it and then he's like well yeah i'll take it um and gorn went 151 and grundy beat him so <laughs> jb did lose points in the end and he called it as well um so the whole situation that we went through actually happened um and obviously everyone took gorn's score anyway even though he was certain that grundy was going to go higher <laughs> the, the um, funny point was getting called out on slack for telling people to take gorn and then everyone was like hey i knew i should have gone grundy <laughs> <laughs> like you were going to turn down 151 come on don't come um, at me with that don't at me and there's also fife can't forget about fife against carlton um at optus at optus he'll bounce back it's a great it's a great match up for him as well so i think that's pretty much uh all the options covered and uh cheeso where can you find us you can find us all on twitter uh pistol underscore drsc for you jb at jb underscore drsc if you want to find me it's cheeso with a z underscore drsc obviously i see this is what i'm worried about is that everyone's typing in cheeso with a z all in the one thing we've covered that before so uh it's definitely just with the letter z um and (laughs) dr underscore sc for the main page which we still haven't figured out a way to uh automatically post all the news that we post over on facebook so um I'm hoping at some point we get around to fixing that, but I can't find a, uh, a, a fix at this point. Pistol, and uh, only, what, 24 hours until uh, 25 hours and 18 minutes, Pistol. You can do the math and figure out when we recorded this podcast uh, until the Dr. Supercoach entries will be locked off. If you do sign up after that point, we can refund you, but um, you won't be entered into the, the Dr. Supercoach Cup. So make sure you get it done on Wednesday if you want to join. There we go, and I look forward to uh, knocking all of you out in uh, in the cup. I, I, should, add, I should add that in, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm not sure we're advocating violence. No, all not. to do with Supercoach. Uh, thanks, community, for listening. I know this has been a long one. I hope you enjoyed uh, the podcast, and we're back at the buys, home straight. Let's get it done, community. Good luck. 